Hello, everybody, and thanks for checking us out at Hey Man, It's Okay. I'm one of your hosts, Sky Bridges. I'm your other host, Ryan Heapy. I'm a licensed therapist out of Newport Beach, California. And today we have a very special guest to talk about somatic therapy. She's a host of a podcast called the Anxiety Recovery Podcast. We have Valerie Rubin. Welcome, Valerie. Hello. Thank you so much, Sky and Ryan, for having me on. I'm so grateful to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I know, you know, this has been something in the works for a little while. I know we just kind of randomly connected on social media, and then I started following you and seeing how cool your message was and wanted to invite you here on the podcast with us. Thank you so much. I know. It's so amazing, and I'm so grateful that you guys are having me on. I'm, I'm just so excited. So while we get going here, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, about kind of how you got into this journey of somatic therapy and helping people with their anxiety and, you know, all that stuff for our listeners to get to know you a little bit? Yes, absolutely. So I myself am no stranger to anxiety. I suffered through anxiety through my entire childhood and it started really affecting my health. I talked really in depth about, you know, my story on my Instagram, but I really just was in the trenches with anxiety and it kind of led me down to a path of having chronic pain. I had that for six years. And then once I, you know, really worked through and reduced my anxiety levels, the chronic pain completely went away. And, you know, because I started with hypnotherapy and that's really what totally changed my life. And so, and then from there I continued to do trainings and certifications and really building my knowledge base on working with the body and, you know, really getting to the root cause of anxiety and mental health struggles, because it's something so common that so many people struggle with. And I'm just really excited to be here. And I'm happy to kind of break down the stigma of mental health and anxiety, especially with men. And because it's something that's so freaking important in your mental health impacts every area of your life. I'm also, you know, a host of the Anxiety Recovery Podcast, like you said, and then I own, you know, my own hypnotherapy and, you know, coaching business to help people, you know, with mental health struggles. Valerie, I know there's like a clinical term for anxiety, but I think so many of us have sort of a different definition, or at least it it affects us all maybe differently or, or what, you know, so I guess I'm curious kind of what anxiety is to you and I don't know how it affected you and maybe how you would define it. Yeah, excellent question. Yeah, I think so many people, right? So many people have so many different definitions or workings of anxiety. So for me, I think really anxiety is something that if you experience a lot of overthinking, negative self-talk, a lot of negative thoughts, you know, your mind is racing, you know, just a lot of worrying and overthinking that it feels like there's more worries and there's more bad days than good and just a lot of stress and overwhelm. And it, it feels like you're, it's too much for you to handle. That's when you know anxiety is really taking over your life and impacting your ability to cope. That's when I would say, you know, getting one-on-one support or support from a licensed counselor or coach or something like that's really, really powerful. And yeah, more about my struggles for me is, you know, I had, you know, the clinical term of generalized anxiety disorder. So I personally would just worry all the time. And that was just my baseline. And, you know, people in my family worried all the time as well. And especially it can become so familiar until this is really impacting my life in negative ways. You know, for me, it was stopping me from going after my dreams and, you know, starting my business because I was just so plagued with 
fear around even the idea of that. Yeah. Yeah. How long were you, do you think you were suffering with, you know, from anxiety and, and what do you think it was that finally catapulted you to either get help or start to learn some of the, the techniques that help as well? Absolutely. Great question. So for me, I struggled with it for, you know, my whole childhood. So I was, and then I really started to make way with the anxiety when I was around 21. So when I was around 18, I started to see, you know, a talk therapist and things like that. And that was really helping. But I felt like there were still so many worries that were really impacting, you know, my mental health. And then it started impacting my physical health, just with all these chronic pains and things like that. So really what catapulted me forward was hypnotherapy. I found that that really helped me get to a deeper layer that I was struggling to get to with a talk therapist for me. So that's really what catapulted me forward. And then I, you know, I found a, you know, hypnotherapist and she who specialized in anxiety and that completely transformed my life, you know, and then I started to learn more about the body and how anxiety really impacts the body. And so I learned a lot of somatic tools like somatic parts work, you know, really learned about the nervous system and nervous system regulation, as well as I'm certified in something called brain spotting. You know, it's really similar to EMDR. Basically, we have trauma that's stored in our brainstem, which is our subcortical brain, meaning it's just really deep in there. It's really tucked away deep in our brain. And so brain spotting helps us activate that and, you know, heal and work out that trauma that we might not consciously be aware is affecting us. Interesting. So there's a word that you keep using that I would like to clarify for everybody. Could you tell us what somatic therapy is? Yes. Amazing question. So somatic therapy, basically somatic, the definition of somatic just means body. So we're working with the body. So just as an example, we'll use anxiety, for example. So when I'm, you know, utilizing somatic tools, I first ask clients, you know, if a client's coming to me with anxiety, okay, where are you feeling that in your body, locating that in your body? What thoughts are coming up as a result of this feeling that you're feeling in your body? You know, what are some sensations? And then what are some emotions with that, that anxiety? Basically, we all have emotions you know, all of us have emotions, it's part of the human experience. And so somatic therapy, you know, helps to unlock some of those emotions that get stuck, especially if we have parents who didn't welcome our emotional experience, or people who called us, you know, too emotional, or too dramatic, or things like that, you know, that anxiety and that emotion doesn't go anywhere, it then gets stuck in our body, because we're as especially if we're as a child, we our authentic expression, our emotional experience isn't welcome. So emotions can get stuck and they can lead to resistance and anxiety and depression and that sort of thing. And so somatic therapy helps for us to work through those emotions that have been stuck in the body. Can you describe kind of what it's like to go through somatic therapy basically as a client and also as a uh, practitioner? Yes. Great question. So why don't I start with brain spotting? I can show you like my brain spotting tool. So this is literally what I utilize. So basically, for example, so say a client is coming to me about fear around driving, right? They're, they have panic attacks when they're driving. So I first, I'm going to put this down for a second. Uh, so <laughs> what is that, by the it's, way? It's what I use in brain. And I'll, I'll explain that in just a second. Like how. Okay. Yeah. okay. Is it, it like, looks a like an antenna? Or- <laughs> It looks really silly with kids. Like some, like you're supposed to look at this pointer, like 
part. But for kids, some of them like to have like butterflies or sunflowers on them to like, and I'll explain that in a second. But let's just say you come to me and you're a client struggling with a fear of driving, maybe a panic attracts, you know, on the highway. So I first have them identify, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, you know, zero, this this anxiety doesn't affect your driving at all, tend to, I'm having complete panic attacks. I feel out of control when I'm on the highway. And then I help them identify, okay, where is this anxiety? Where is this panic in your body? Okay. Notice, okay. It's in my chest. Okay. So I'm feeling this anxiety in my chest and then have them, you know, label what sensations is it, is, is your heart beating really fast? Does your chest feel really tight? Do your shoulders feel like they're caving in? Is your neck really tight? And describing those sensations of that anxiety, is there a knot in your stomach? And then, and now here's where the pointer comes in. So we start with the pointer and then I have them basically with the pointer, I'll like show you. So first we'll, I'll go slowly like this. I'll go much slower in this session. So for those who are listening, I'm just moving this, a pointer across like the field of the webcam. And so what that does is it helps the brain, you will feel those sensations of anxiety become more activated or more intense when my pointer is at a certain point, And that's triggering that trauma that's stored in their brainstem. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what the brain spotting is like. And so I'll have them stay and look at this point for around, I'll If they're a new client, I'll start with 20 minutes. And then if they feel that they can handle it and they want to go more, I'll do 45 minutes to an hour max. And I've really been having amazing, amazing results with clients with fears, especially CPTSD and um, feelings of depression. So that's kind of how brain spotting works. And before I explain the other ones, like, do you have any questions on that? Yeah, I do. So, So just to, you know, I get this right. You're moving this wand or uh, antenna <laughs> at a, at very slow rates, and then we're stopping with our eyes and noticing when the anxiety is coming up worse than others. Yes, you got it. And then, what are you doing in between? Are you talking to us? Am I just noticing it come up? Is there? Are there like sets? I know you said it, it can go anywhere from 20 to 60 minutes. And so I guess maybe what's going on with me as the patient or client as I'm watching this and how that stems from, gives you relief. Absolutely. So basically I'm going to bring my pointer up again. So I'm going to go, so say I go really slow. They'll tell me, oh, I feel it more there. Okay. And as I'm moving it, I make sure, because I want to give them the space to, you know, really see, okay, where am I feeling more activated or anxious? So I'm moving the pointer. And as I'm moving it, I'm not saying anything, but they'll pause me and stop. Okay. Yeah. It feels really activated here. I feel it here. Some people, um, they'll just start crying once I hit a certain spot. Some people, it's also a very, it's a model where the therapist and client is very attuned to the other or practitioner and client are very attuned. So it's also building that relationship beforehand. And so when you're really attuned, I can see, oh, they're, they're blinking a ton. That's like a sign that it hit a, a spot in their brain that they're feeling more activated. Crying, mm. if they're, uh, have like a big sigh. So that's like one way I utilize it. And then once we get to that spot, typically some clients are more inward processors. Maybe they don't speak as much. 
in talk therapy sessions and some people like to outwardly process they process a lot you know verbally and with talking and some like to talk about what's coming up so say we're at a point and they're really activated they might come up with like memories that they forgot about different traumatic things that have happened or scenes come up when they're sitting in that activation and so once we get to that activation point that where their anxiety, for example, is more heightened, we pause there and then for 20 minutes to start out, you know, a lot of the time I'll be either reflecting what they're saying, you know, okay, what are you noticing here? What are you noticing in your body? But they'll usually end up telling me, oh, this this came up and it's really just validating those experiences and, and letting those experiences come through. But that's how like kind of works. And there's also bilateral music. It's similar to EMDR a little bit. So some people who give EMDR sessions, they have bilateral like music and it stimulates the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere of the brain. And so that can really help people uh, with ADHD or autism to really just go inward and connect deeper and just people in general. I mean, I love music, so it's very healing to experience both as the client and practitioner. I'm trained in EMDR. And so I'm very familiar, you know, with the bilateral stimulation and, you know, and kind of what you were talking about earlier with the sort of the body keeps the score of how, you know, we really hold these things deep in. And, and sometimes I think there's a theory about how with EMDR, we hold them almost in maybe the wrong part of the brain and then doing, you know, some of this work, especially since the eyes are part of the brain. It's the only part of our brain that's exposed. And so I can see how this, you know, could possibly make a difference once you hit those, those little spots, maybe as the eyes are connecting, maybe to parts of the brain in the back. Absolutely. So my question is, so the idea seems like it's to sit in that feeling so that you can figure out why you're feeling that way. Pretty much, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. And some things, a lot of the time, just like with EMDR, right, or deeper forms of of trauma therapy or healing, you know, things can come up that you're not even aware of. Like, whoa, this driving anxiety, I had no idea it was because, you know, maybe I almost drowned when I was four years old. That could be connected. You could have that same feeling, right? And so that's just an example. But yeah, pretty much, yes. Okay, cool. That's all my questions. So you can you can move on if you want. We've asked our questions. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. How many sessions do you feel like it, it takes to get some healing? That's a good question. So I like to explain it this way. So clients, and I'm sure Ryan, you understand this as well. Some clients, they experience results instantaneously, cumulatively, meaning, you know, over time or retroactively, meaning say they had a very big trigger at work or with their partner. And then we work on that. And then they don't even realize that that trigger has been worked through or it, they're not experiencing that trigger again for, and then they, you know, it's a few months and they're like, wow, I'm not even realizing this trigger with my partner isn't there anymore. And wow, I'm just now seeing it. So, but yes, clients can get results instantaneously, cumulatively or retroactively. And it can take, it depends like on what they want to work on, um, especially like a fear that can, you know, be done in one to three sessions. But, you know, depending on how much trauma, um, you know, you've accumulated, you might want to do weekly brain spotting sessions if that feels good for you or every other week because it is it is like a deeper uh, form of therapy. And it's, you know, some it's a lot of the time it's more suitable potentially to try talk therapy, of course, 
first, you know, really starting with those building blocks. But yeah, it's really, really freaking powerful. And I love administering it. Awesome. It's, you know, being a EMDR practitioner, uh, when I got my training, I was still a little hesitant on whether it would work or not. And so I, I went and sought out my own EMDR therapy and I found a therapist that, and I've at this point had probably had 15 to 20 therapists over the years. And this therapist, I probably, there was hardly anything we could relate to. She was, you know, a very different demographic. I didn't see me getting anything out of this, out of the work that we were going to do. And yet the EMDR therapy that I did was probably some of the most profound work. And it, you really didn't almost need, I felt like there was a, a bit of like an inner healer sort of through it all, which, you know, I've seen as I've done EMDR for clients that something clicks and, you know, it can be one session, it can be three sessions. I'm never really sure kind of when the, you know, epiphany or when the big transformation is going to happen, but it does, you know, and, and sometimes it, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. That's so beautiful. And yeah, it, it is like you're really resourcing your own inner healer, as you would say, you know, especially with EMDR. And that's beautiful, right? And that's just so beautiful, because it's really similar to brain spotting, even like in the training, you're required to receive brain spotting sessions yourself, like you know, on yourself from other colleagues and things. And, you know, like, I wouldn't even need to know these people or connect to some of these people. And it's like instant. For me, it felt like instant healing. I got so much, you know, aha moments and things like that. And it's really, really, really such a beautiful modality, EMDR brain spotting. And it's just amazing to support clients in a deep way. How oh, cool. Yeah. It's something I really want to look into and, and maybe add to the EMDR uh, repertoire. Yeah. Yes. I can't recommend it enough. It's, I adore it. <laughs> so you talked about brain spotting yes. and then the other two big ones that you've talked about, the one that I'm most fascinated with is hypnotherapy, yes. but which one do you want to go to next out of hypno or, or somatic? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Why don't we start with hypnotherapy? Oh yeah. I love hypnotherapy. I feel like that's kind of like my bread and butter as well. I love all of it, but I think hypnotherapy is so beautiful. So basically kind of similar to brain spotting and every hypnotherapist is different. This is just my lens of how I was trained. So for me, how I was trained was in hypnotherapy. Let's, uh, let's just use anxiety, for example. So usually I will guide clients between, you know, I guide them to be in a relaxed state. So we have our different states of our brain, you know, our typical day-to-day -day life when we're stressed, we're, you know, in our day-to-day -day life, you know, we're, we're going about our day, we're in something called a beta brainwave state. And then when we're in hypnosis and guided into this different calm, relaxed state, we are in something called the alpha brainwave state or the, the theta brainwave state, the alpha brainwave state. We're in alpha brainwave state when we're listening to music, when we're driving, it really impacts and affects our subconscious mind. So hypnotherapy allows us to access the subconscious mind where, you know, a lot of our triggers and, you know, traumas can be stored in our subconscious mind. So, you know, going back to these traumas through hypnotherapy will look like showing clients, okay, you know, what is... We're really talking to their subconscious mind. What is the root cause of this anxiety or these feelings that you're not good enough? Your mind is showing us to a scene, a place, event, and time 
where, you know, you didn't feel good enough, where this anxiety first started happening. And then we really find out what are those core beliefs? What is really causing this anxiety, right? Anxiety can be super multifaceted, but this is just another tool to utilize. And there are a lot of people's brains will go back to scenes. Some people aren't as visual. So some people it's more thoughts. And when we're from ages zero to three years old, when we experience trauma, we don't have any logical part of our brain. None of it is online yet. So we might go back to just a feeling or big sensation. And that's a sign that we went really deep into, you know, trauma that maybe we were a baby to three years old. I've also had clients go back to scenes in the womb, just a lot of things. Yeah, really, really fast and stuff. And then, you know, after the, you know, scenes and stuff, I go into inner child healing, really soothing and processing those emotions that typically this younger version of themselves has been going through or gone through, you know, really processing what happened. And then after that, you know, say it's for anxiety or not feeling good enough, um, or any beliefs that are that are contributing to the anxiety, you know, I make a whole hypnosis recording on what they needed to hear in the session, really shifting those neural pathways to feel relaxed again, feel calm again. When typically in hypnosis, clients tell me that their anxiety has been an unconscious protective me- mechanism to help them feel safe when, you know, maybe in their life or their childhood, they never felt safe. So overthinking and anxiety was a way for them to stay on edge and prepare for that, prepare for that fight, you know? Wow. That's pretty incredible. You know, the subconscious, it just totally blows my mind, you know, thinking about how we as people have figured out how to access that. That's just nuts to me. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think it is just the most epic, cool thing ever. (laughs) Can you give us sort of an idea of how it works? I know you kind of gave us sort of like the only time that I've ever done this when I was 13 years old and I had a therapist who took me down an elevator, I believe. And as you know, I think I got to the eighth floor, something happened where I got shocked out of it and that was the end. And that's all I know about. But, but I remember, you know, going down that elevator and is, is that still a thing or, or how do you get people sort of into that subconscious state? Absolutely. Great question. So yes, it is similar in that way of the induction. For me, I like to use the visual of stairs, like imagining you're going down a flight of 10 steps. Okay. And, and then I, since I'm more trained with the body and the somatic stuff, I like to kind of connect it to their body. Especially clients are really a lot of my clients, you know, because I specialize in anxiety, they're usually very tense. Maybe they have headaches, stomach aches, IBS, tension, you know, tension in their neck and their body. Uh, typically, you know, I start with, okay, we're going to go down this 10th, you know, you're going to imagine that you're going on, off on this 10th stair. Imagine you're moving down on this step. And then as you're doing that, I want you to bring your awareness to your head, bringing this awareness to your head letting it go, relaxing your head, any stress, any tension, any pain that's been stored in your head just melts away. We're going to move on to step nine. As you're moving on to step nine, you're imagining your foot is moving on to that next step. And as you're doing that, I want you to imagine that your neck, you're bringing your awareness to your neck and your neck is loosening every muscle, every nerve in your neck is relaxing, loosening, any tension or stress that's been stored in there releases and lets go. So I kind of do that with each part of the body as I move down each, you know, stair or step. 
Some people also don't like the steps. Some people, maybe stairs are really triggering for them or they don't like counting or numbers. Uh, a lot of my neurodivergent clients, some of them don't like that way. So like verse or like, you know, the counting down of the steps. So some, I just ask, you know, what is your happy place? Where do you feel most relaxed? Sometimes I'll guide clients with, you know, in a forest or to the beach. Okay, you know, we're on a beach. You're feeling yourself moving in the sand. You know, you're feeling the sand in between your toes. And so really imagining and bringing your senses involved in that. So that's kind of like the guided induction piece to help them really relax and turn their mind off almost in a sense to where they're feeling more relaxed. And then I kind of ask, you know, and, and ask their mind and go in depth of, Okay, I'm a great believer that we can't fix what we don't understand. And right now we're going to get to the root cause of, you know, when this anxiety first started, when did you first feel this feeling of overwhelming stress? And so bringing that memory up, and then I usually do a countdown of, you know, five, four, three, two, one, and obviously much slower sense, <laughs> in a much slower sense. And then their mind will usually come up with a feeling, image, uh, sensation, um, or really strong emotion. And so usually, you know, okay, I'm, I'm okay. Are you inside or outside? I'm inside. Are you alone or with someone? I'm with my dad. How old are you about really asking these, these questions to get them more from the And then they'll explain that to me, you know, I'll really get to the, what are the core beliefs that you're believing about yourself in this scene? You know, uh, my dad was, you know, not paying attention to me. Uh, he went to work. And for me, I was five years old. My dad went, this is just an example. My dad went to work and I made the belief that I wasn't lovable. And I felt always on edge, wondering where, when is my dad going to get home? And so this can be an imprint, you know, an imprint. And so then processing that emotion you know, where, where is this in your body and, and really processing what was happening? Because what might be traumatic for a 40 year old, it could be way more traumatic for a five year old, you know, and vice versa. So, you know, our minds make up beliefs about things that we don't understand. And so that can be really damaging. My whole life, oh, I'm, not lovable, I'm not enough, I'm not worthy. And then we go about our life living through that five-year-old lens and we're frozen in that five-year-old lens of time, especially if we didn't have caregivers or parents who supported us emotionally or didn't help us through those difficult times or explain to us, you know, daddy's going to work right now. That can be extremely traumatizing. And so, you know, healing that inner child and working with that inner child, what did this little five-year-old need to hear from you, Jimmy? And then, you know, dialoguing with them, what does this five-year-old want to share with you? giving them a voice, giving them a way to express themselves and to be heard and, you know, doing a lot of that inner child healing and visualization because the brain doesn't know the difference between real and imaginary. So when we're visualizing that, our brain doesn't realize that we're not in that five-year-old mindset. So it's really powerful when you're transforming and basically upgrading your belief systems from when you're five years old to you're 30. That's a huge difference in your beliefs and can you speak to maybe a couple of maybe some of the more fascinating places that people have gone? Or I don't know if you can talk too much about that, but maybe some of the really interesting things that you've seen in some in some of the hypno work. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Let me just think of a few. So 
a few great examples. I want to think of some out. We want to stick with anxiety because I could do, I could talk about skin issues with hypnotherapy, so many different things. Just anything that's kind of blown your mind, maybe in the middle of session where you're like, wow, I didn't see this going there or, wow, you know, this is why I'm doing the work. Yes. Great one. I have a great answer to this one. So one of my clients was really struggling with losing weight and moving forward with her fitness goals. And so, you know, she was doing all the things, was even hiring mindset coaches and therapists to, you know, what is causing me to lack discipline, to self-sabotage, to eat ice cream when I know I want to be eating something healthier that's going to nourish my body. Maybe ice cream isn't going to nourish their body or help them with fitness goals. So we went back to a scene where my client got in a really bad accident. And because of that, she was in a coma and she couldn't speak and she was completely blind. And in this scene, when she was in a coma, she couldn't communicate. And the only way that she was able to soothe and comfort herself was through food. So she was still going from this unconscious place of eating food to soothe when she didn't realize that, oh, I I can self-soothe in other ways. And that's what was, she was frozen in that time period. I think she was 16 when she was, you know, experiencing that when she was in that coma. And so that was extraordinary, extraordinarily powerful for me to witness that. Wow. And she was not completely aware of that, that that was connected at all. And then did you see her behavior change after that? Yes. Or how did that? Yes. She lost 15 pounds, you know. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was extremely powerful to witness. And she she wasn't self-sabotaging anymore. And she was able to really completely shift her her eating habits in her life. That's great. One of the things I feel like you hear about that hypnotherapy really helps is in, you know, losing weight or, or quitting smoking. I feel like that's kind of uh, advertised or, you know, put out there a lot. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. And yeah. And just because you also want another story, I've also helped clients through smoking. And one one client really came to mind. Was that okay if I share that too? Yeah, please. Oh, please, please. Because I am I like nicotine. <laughs> <laughs> well, this client was quickly coming in for cannabis addiction. He was smoking weed five to 10 times a day. It was really impacting his work life, his friendships, just how he was able to show up, especially he wanted to be more emotionally available. He wanted to attract a partner. And that was really hard when he wasn't emotionally connected or emotionally available to himself because you know he was smoking so much weed to suppress a lot of anger and so we went back to the root cause using hypnotherapy and what came up was you know his father really invalidated a lot of anger and his his anger and because his dad was very angry he made an imprint in his mind that anger isn't safe to express and so he was really numbing that frustration that he was feeling in anger in his day-to-day life with weed because anger isn't safe to express. And so it was very, very difficult for him, you know, in his day-to-day life because, you know, anger is a primal emotion. There's nothing wrong with you if you're angry. It's it's showing you that you've been mistreated or, you know, when a mama bear has bear, a, a, her child, right? And someone comes near it, you bet she's going to be angry and you bet she's going to come at you, right? And so us humans have the same primal instincts, anger. Oh, if you come too close, this is my bubble. Please step away. You know, you feel that anger. And so, you know, for him not being able to express that anger, he had to numb it with weed because it was just too 
it was too uncomfortable. And so when we aren't able to express the full range of emotions, anger, fear, sadness, guilt, any emotion that we have, you know, it just becomes stored in our body. And then we have to externally numb with substances, sex, electronics, workaholism, so many different avenues because it's too big and we don't have the tools to cope with those sensations, especially if we don't feel safe to do that. And especially he was so scared because he didn't want to be like his dad who was frequently angry. I feel that. Anger is how my anxiety used to come out until I started my therapy journey and started exploring new ways to change my brain. And anger, that's a that's a pretty powerful one. It can be it can be dangerous. So that's really cool that he was able to figure out where it came from and see some changes, hopefully pretty quickly. Yeah, he was able to quit weed after he was doing it for four years. And so I was just so freaking, freaking proud of my client for that. Because with any, awesome. Yeah, with any addiction, it's challenging or with anything, you know, any mental health struggle, it can be challenging to go through that. And so, yeah, it was beautiful to witness that letting go of that, that wasn't serving him, you know, and, and that's beautiful that you are able to, you know, really rewire your brain and, and work through your anger and, and seeing that underlying emotion was anxiety. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad that I found your podcast because my wife, she frequently experiences anxiety. There was one point where we had a lot of life going on and I experienced my first panic attack. I was like checking my heart rate. It was getting up to like 186. I was like, call the ambulance. I think I'm having a heart attack. She goes, no, you're experiencing a panic attack. And she was able to help me and walk me through it. But ever since then, I've been, she's like, okay, I'm starting to panic. I was like, okay, cool. What do we need to do to change it? Let's get you out of this environment. Let's change things and get your brain refocused. So it really helped me to be able to identify with her what she was dealing with instead of just being like, you know, get over it, stop feeling anxious. So I got that more of a clear understanding of what it meant to experience that anxiety. That's beautiful. I'm so glad that you're able to support your wife in that way and, and really support her and, and really validate, you know, that's hard. Let's, let's, let's get you out of this state. Cause you know, a huge thing is people just don't feel hurt. And especially cause anxiety is so misunderstood. It's so not a logical thing, right? It's not a choice. Like it's, it's so not a choice. And so bringing that empathy and compassion to people is just so healing. Awesome. So maybe, Maybe now, now that we've, you know, delved into your brain spotting and your hypnotherapy, why don't we talk a little bit about your somatic coaching? Yes. Amazing. So brain spotting kind of falls into that, but I also do something called somatic parts work. So basically somatic parts work is we all have different parts of ourselves that feel rejected or unloved. And so it comes out in different parts of self-sabotage. Anxiety can be one feeling like, yeah, nicotine addiction. Um, we all have different parts of ourselves that don't feel safe. So we, our brain, our unconscious mind comes up with these parts to protect ourselves from hurt or pain. And so like, for example, so I first have them identify, you know, what it is that we want to work on. Let's just say, let's just say emotional eating, because that's one, you know, emotional eating. So say we work on this emotional eating. Okay, when you're thinking of this emotional eating, you know, I hear that you're so frustrated with yourself that you're emotionally eating and you feel like you have no control and you just see a whole bin of cookies and you just, you know, you feel out of control and you just want to eat all of them when you're upset, you know, and really seeing, okay, what are the emotions there? 
okay, where, where am I feeling this in my body? So whatever feeling they're feeling attached to the emotional eating, maybe it's, I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling out of control. I'm feeling sad when I'm noticing I'm emotionally eating. Okay. Where do you feel that in your body? Feel that in my shoulders. I feel that like a knot in my stomach, feel that, you know, heaviness in my, you know, in my shoulders. I feel a lot of tightness in my chest, you know, totally with that. Okay. What sensations can you notice here? Noticing my chest is tightening. I'm noticing almost like the sensation of warmth. I'm feeling my body is really warm. I'm feeling like I'm sweating and, you know, going into those sensations. And then, you know, what are the emotions and feelings that are sadness, fear, guilt, shame? Okay. Going a deeper level. How old does this part think that you are? And when they're in an unconscious state, they're like, wow, I feel like I'm five years old. Like my dad was an alcoholic. And, you know, I, I remember when he was, you know, angry with my mom and he was drunk. I remember I would go to the cookies. Wow. And now you can see where this is also stemming from. And, you know, and we're not necessarily even going to a scene or image or memory, but typically that comes up when we're exploring that. And then I do inner child work. I also, you know, and in that somatic parts work session, I'm imagining and helping them, taking them out of that time and place when you were four, when your dad was yelling at your mom, when he was drunk and he was angry and you were self-soothing, you know, with cookies. Let's bring this four-year-old self. Let's imagine we're bringing this four-year-old self with you in the present day now. Where would they like to go? They'd like to go with me to build a sand castle at the beach. Okay, and really, what is this? You know, as we're at the beach on the sandcastle, building the sandcastle with your four-year-old self, Jessica, you know, what is it that this four-year-old wants to share with you? She says, oh, I'm scared. You know, I'm so happy you're with me, yada, yada. And then, you know, after that, you know, what did she need to hear back then? I needed to hear that I'm loved, that I'm safe, you know, yada, 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 whatever that might be. And, you know, and then really processing those emotions because those emotions from work can get stuck in your body and can show up as neck pain, tension, and show up in these other ways, you know, and so, okay, where, okay, where's this feeling now? You know, it's still in my stomach. Okay. So I give clients two options, either doing breath work or to release those emotions and process those emotions, or I do something called pendulation. So basically, especially if you feel very easily overwhelmed by emotions, we can then okay, I'm feeling this a lot in my stomach. What's a safe part in your body and putting attention on that part of your body that feels safe and just building your capacity and going back and forth and then assigning a new role to this part of you that was scared that came up with the emotional eating. Okay, let's really reframe this this role that this emotional eating was trying to protect you from feeling pain and, and fear when your dad was yelling at your mom. Okay, yeah. And so, you know, what new role would they like to take on? They'd like to take on a nurturer, a praiser, someone, this role is, is praising me, making me feel better and, and soothing me from my pain. So really reframing those unconscious roles. So that's really how somatic parts work works. I know I just, you know, talked for like a hot minute. So I appreciate you listening and <laughs> letting me ramble on. No, it's all so interesting. So- so you first take them down with hypno, is that right? And then you kind of find the somatic parts, is that what you were saying? And then you, once you hit those parts, then you almost do a breath works into them? Yes, pretty much. 
accept, I don't need to necessarily guide them to be relaxed like we're doing in the hypnotherapy. For them, we're really starting with that activation. So I'm feeling shame and guilt from this overeating. And then I go with that feeling and sensation and ask them more questions. And I'm really identifying, helping them identify what is the role, function, purpose, and intention for this emotional eating. And then they can go into scenes and things like that. And then inner child work and then helping them release with breath work or finding another safe space in their body. Can you describe breath? I know what breath works <laughs> is and I, I absolutely love it, but can you describe maybe breath works for our audience? Yes. Amazing. So to kind of give a little bit, this is kind of sciencey, I guess, but breath work when we, when our brains, when we're okay, when we're anxious, we're typically breathing from a very shallow place. Our chest isn't open. It, it feels tight. We're not taking in deep breaths. So doing that consciously by taking deep breaths in and out and exhaling for longer than you're inhaling, that's going to regulate your nervous system. That's going to bring your body back into balance. That's going to bring you more to a relaxed state and allow you to process emotions and feelings and sensations. And it's really helpful to help us, you know, relax and and be in that grounded state. And you have them almost breathe directly into that part. Yes, you got it. Exactly. Wow. It's interesting because I, I do a lot of these things through meditation. Also, there's, I wish I could learn that extra somatic part, you know, to really focus in on, on healing those certain parts of us. Yeah. Valerie, you do a really great job of uh, explaining all of this. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So since this is a men's mental health podcast, can I ask how many, how, what percentage of your clients are male versus female? And do you find that it's more difficult to work with? Or because maybe they're more hesitant to open up or something like that? Great question. So my clientele, it's about 70% women and then 30% men. So I actually find that men, like a lot of common themes is I feel like men are much more logical. Well, men can also get a lot in their heads as well. But I feel like men, they will, if you, if I give my male clients an action plan, they will do it typically, you know? And so they're very like, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm very, (laughs) I find that No, I find that really I help build that connection and safety, you know, before going into that deeper work. So I don't find that male clients are harder to open up to me. That's just good. Yeah, Yeah, cool. I just I'm always curious about what the you know, what the demographic is and what the what it's like, the difference is working with males versus females. Because, you know, obviously we care about all mental health, but specifically we're just trying to help end the stigma of, you know, men not talking about their feelings. Yes. And that's such a beautiful mission because a lot of my male clients have a lot of a level of shame around their their feelings, their anxiety, their emotions, because men are so shamed. Right. I'm a woman. So, mm-hmm. but from, from my experience working with men, they're so shamed. My dad told me, you know, this is an example. Oh, my dad told me that big boys don't cry. You know, crying is weak. You don't want to be like a little girl or a hissy or just any of these so much like negative programming when there's literally been research on like male infants compared to female infants and male infants actually cry more than women. Interesting. And yet we're probably more invalidated, like you're saying, you know, because of the, you know, you, you hurt yourself, suck it up, you know, you're fine. Yeah. Yep. Don't cry. Yeah. We're not, we're taught not to experience those yeah. emotions. And then we get to, you know, the age of 18 and or 20 and 
get into a relationship for the first time and then really feel these emotions and we have no idea what to do with it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And with emotions, and this is also something I'm feeling called to share is with emotions, a lot of the time we can, you know, we can feel an emotion in our body and we come up with a story of why we're feeling that way. And it keeps the emotion stuck in our body. So just so like, that's why meditation and mindfulness practice mm. your body is so helpful because we can observe those thoughts like cars driving by or clouds, you know, moving, you know, and it's, it's really helpful to get us unstuck. You know, a lot of people are like, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm, I've been feeling chronically anxious all week thinking of my presentation for my work. And it's because they're, they're not allowing themselves to sit in that discomfort, especially with this programming of, you know, you shouldn't feel that way. Don't be dramatic. You're too sensitive. You know, suck it up. Boys don't cry. And it's, it keeps that emotion stuck in the body. And so really just de-shaming that, hey, you know, these are emotions. These emotions are coming up and it's okay. Just witnessing those emotions and trying. And if your mind comes up with a story, that's okay refocusing on your sensations and emotions in your body. And that's what really helps us, you know, move them through our body instead of staying stuck. It's really difficult for men to get there in the first place when we haven't been taught, you know, I'm, I've been doing this work for a while and, and been in therapy myself for a while. And so sometimes I, I have to remind myself, you know, that a lot of people have never been in touch with their emotions. Don't really, couldn't even describe maybe what they're feeling or why they're feeling it. And so sometimes when I, you know, when I'm able to take a step back and really work with somebody on feeling that for the first time, it can be really powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess, you know, you know, we're getting kind of close to the end here. The information you've given us today has been fantastic. What advice would you give to somebody who may be a little hesitant about maybe looking into hypnotherapy or going to talk with somebody about somatic coaching where like, Oh, I don't really want to go into those feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's just, I want you to know that it's so normal to feel that way. You know, anytime that we are faced with maybe something different, it can feel scary, right? Any life changes that you're going through, it can feel very scary. And when you try something different, your mind tries to fill in the gaps of, of uh, there's so much uncertainty trying to fill in the gaps. Oh, that's really weird. That's woo, -woo that's whatever. But I'm in the sense of, you know, I like to try everything, you know, and it's just like with food, right? You didn't know that your favorite cheese was going to be your favorite cheese until you tried it out. So it's just something to add to your toolbox and, you know, just try it out. And I think it can, you can, it is scary. It can be really scary when you've never felt your feelings ever. And that's why like, I never start directly with hypnotherapy or like brain spotting. I help build their capacity, especially a lot of, a lot of my clientele experiences um, symptoms of CPTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So a lot of uh, my clientele are very shut off from their emotions, or especially if you work as a firefighter or like first responders are actually taught to disassociate from their emotions because it's part of the training. And, and a lot of men as well work in that field. So helping them to make that difference and help them feel safe and connect to their body to where they can start to label sensations and emotions oh. so that it's easier to get into more deeper forms like hypnotherapy. And I just say, F it, like try it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. That's amazing. 
Valerie, I mean, do you have any questions for us while you're here? I, this isn't just about us asking you questions. If you have questions for us too. <laughs> yeah, this is my question. I'll ask both of you. What? These are, I think these are more like emotional questions. Okay. If you were to tell your five-year-old self anything, what would they need to hear? You want to go first, guy? Yeah, I guess so. Man, okay. if I could tell my five-year-old self something, it would probably be that it's going to be okay and that things someday will make sense. Because, you know, I, got, I can say that I wouldn't be who I am without the journey I've been on, so I don't wish any of it would go away. I just, I wish I would know that there was hope in the future. So I actually, now that we're, we're talking about EMDR earlier, I, I got to do this when I was doing the EMDR work and I had a really difficult childhood and I saw that five-year-old you know, sitting there crying in tears and I didn't really have to say a whole lot. I just gave him a big ass hug. I think I did tell him to like, hang in there, buddy. It's going to, it's going to turn out all right. Cool. That's a great question. Yeah. Mm. Thanks for asking that to us. Well, I think we've got a, you know, we're getting ready to wrap it up here unless we have anyone's got a, any more questions. I think I'm good. Oh, no, yeah. Cool. Well, Valerie, thank you so much for coming. Where can people find you? What's your handle on all your social media and all that? Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much. So my Instagram, you can find me on Instagram at heal with Val. So it's H-E-A-L with Val, V-A-L, all just one word. And then uh, I have my Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. My full name is Valerie. And then my last name is Ruben, R-U-B-I-N. And then I have my website. It's valrubin.com, V-A-L-R-U-B, as in boy, I-N.com. So that's where you can find me. And then I also have my podcast, The Anxiety Recovery Podcast with Valerie Rubin. Which is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, on Spotify, on, on Apple Podcasts, on Anchor, anywhere where podcast episodes are, are streaming. Cool. And we'll put links to all of your stuff on our website, heymanitsokay.com especially, you know, when, and we'll put it on all of the descriptions when this episode comes out. Valerie, thanks for being here. It's been a pleasure. For now, I'm Sky, and it's okay to not be okay. I'm Ryan. Thank you guys for coming. Comment, subscribe. Visit us at you guys on all of our social yeah. media at Hey Man, It's Okay, and we'll talk to you next time.